high five. I got to confess to you that <clears throat> there was another subject that I wanted to teach on this morning, but somehow, some way, I couldn't get away from um, what I want to share with you on this morning. So I trust, I believe, I, I pray, I hope that it's God at the end we'll see. Um, today is, is a good day because our theme is the kind of theme, the subject is the kind of subject that tonight at 6 p.m. we'll be coming back here to pray so I'll kind of be able to evaluate how effective it was, you know. Uh, the theme this morning is prayer. So I want to call your attention to verse 1 there in Luke 18. Jesus, he is speaking to them a parable that men, and the implication here is, is in the plural. It means women, men, teenagers, youth. In other words, human beings always ought to pray and not lose heart. That word ought, if you're taking notes, in the original language is a word that means necessary. Necessary. So Jesus is teaching that it's necessary to pray. That word is a word that also means right. Not only is it necessary, but it's right to pray. It's a word that means required. Right. Necessary. Necessity. To give it to you very simple, in a four-letter word, N-double-E-D, need. The need to pray. So if you wanted a title for the morning's teaching, that's it. Need to pray. I woke up this morning and I was wondering if the AC was working as it should and it's an interesting thing because in South Florida, you need air conditioning, right? When you think about the humidity, you think about the heat. But it's interesting that if we had some more time, we could talk to one another. And, and there's things in our life that we think it's a priority, we think it's a need. But truth be told, if this morning we did a little bit of inventory, we did a little bit of research, we did a little bit of investigative work here... A good question is how many of us would be able to maybe even look at our uh, agenda, we would be able to look at our calendar and see that there's times there that are mapped out for prayer, that there's a need to pray. Here Jesus says there's a need to pray, and again, look at verse 1, hopefully you have your Bible open, and look at the contrast. Why is there a need to pray? He says here, not lose heart, which is a word that can be simplified to, what's the word that I'm looking for, fainting? The need to pray and not faint. The implication is that when you pray, there's going to be like a battle. There's going to be a contrary wind, contrary resistance, a contrary impediment to do actual prayer. Let me illustrate this for you this way. This week, I challenge you to try to pray, uh, get up in the morning early, uh, maybe later at night if you're trying to pray, and watch what happens. Early in the morning, you begin to pray. You got your notepad. Maybe you want to take some notes. God's going to speak to me. You got your Bible, and you begin to pray, and all of a sudden, meow, meow, 
I know that's a sorry cat, but you get the idea, right? And you say, I didn't know I have a cat. <laughs> oh, you didn't. It's that other cat that's trying to get in the way of your prayers. I mean, I, I've tried to get up in the morning praying. You even hear roosters. Roosters? I don't live in a farm area. And maybe when you get past the animal sounds, maybe there's funny noises in your house. And I wonder if somebody's there. I never heard that sound before. And then the thoughts. Oh, yeah. They still owe me $50 when we went out to eat. <laughs> and then you start thinking, man, we, haven't, we had a good time. We, man, that was a nice meal. I, I haven't been to the restaurant in a long time, as a matter of fact. We got to go back, but not with them. They still owe me $50. <laughs> <laughs> and before you know it, you're thinking, you're wondering, the alarm goes off. God, give us a good day. Uh, pray for amen. What is prayer? Why is there that need to pray? Go with me to verse 2. We continue reading here. It's an earthly story. It's got a heavenly meaning. And Jesus said there was a judge in a certain city. There was a judge. He didn't fear God. He didn't regard man. But then in verse 3, there was also a widow in that city that came to him. I stop. I look to your eyes. And it's, you have it in every city. You have the prominent. You have the powerful. You have those with prestige, you have those with power, and then you have those with need. You have those that need someone to intercede on their behalf. And so Jesus is given an earthly story here. It's not at all the main thought of prayer, but it's good to know that. Why do I need to pray? Because if you're going to do life sooner or later, you're going to find out you're going to need a divine intervention in your life. And so here Jesus goes on and he continues to develop the story. There was a widow in that city. She came to him and this is what she said to the judge. Get justice for me from my adversary. But in verse 4 it tells us that he was resistant. He would not do that for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, even though I don't fear God and I don't regard man, Yet, because this widow troubles me, I'm going to avenge her, lest by her coming, continually coming to me, she's going to weary me out. So the thought there is, simple to see, right? The persistence of this widow, the purpose of this widow, the battle sense, if you would, of this widow that she said, He's powerful, he's prominent, he's a judge, I'm nobody, but I'm going to keep coming to him until he grants me intervention in my need, justice in my request. My adversary, he can mitigate, he can mediate on my behalf. And so I stopped this morning looking to your eyes as we're just thinking here, as we're talking. Do you see that in prayer? Do I see that in prayer? That there's certain things that God's hand has to be stretched forth and he's going to have to intervene, reference our adversary. Good question here would be, do you know who your adversary is? Do you know who your enemy is? And someone here might say, yes, pastor, my husband. 
No, 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 no. My wife, some people might say. Some people might say, I'm single. That's my adversary. I'm lonely, you know. My parents, my boss, my job, my finances. Listen, you have one enemy. And the main enemy, the Bible says, is Satan. Paul, writing to the Ephesian church, he says, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and, and places. Now, it's true that sometimes the devil takes a vacation because we're doing all the work for him. And sometimes when it has to do with depression, anxiety, fear, rejection, uh, stinking thinking, uh, the enemy says, you got it covered. I'm, I'm going to go work on somebody else. But still, we need intervention. We need a mediator. And here Jesus is teaching about the need to pray. Now, let's continue reading, but before we do, let me again look to your eyes and tell you that Jesus here, in no way, is he trying to make a comparison that the judge is like God and God is like the judge. This is a teaching method that in this culture and time was utilized that goes from the lesser to the greater. What Jesus is going to do here is he's going to show you the lesser earthly story, so as we understand that, as we have that aha moment, aha, I get it you would know how much greater it is with God. Having said that, keep reading with me. We go now and we see in verse 4 that for a while this judge wouldn't do it, but then he spoke to himself and he says, man, this widow is going to weary me. Verse 6, moving on. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Verse 7, here's the clincher, here's the point. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him though he bears long with them i tell you verse 8 he will avenge them and i like what jesus says here speedily you might pray for a day you might pray for a week you might pray for a month you might pray for a year i'm almost Tempted to take inventory here. I'm not going to do it, but I wonder how many people here, you've been praying for something maybe for a year. Anybody here that's been praying something for maybe uh, five, ten years, and it might seem like a long time, but in eternity, hey, it's going to be like a dot compared to eternity. But here's the point. Jesus is saying you need to pray. I need to pray. We need to be persistent. We need to be purposeful. We need to be constant in prayer. Because look at the widow. Look at the judge. How much more will your heavenly father God be involved? Be in tune. Be responsive to you in prayer. This is where it gets fun. Because I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. I don't know what you're thinking. You don't know what I'm thinking. But I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. 
if you're thinking about what I'm thinking. The need for prayer. <laughs> I think that people don't pray because people don't know what prayer is. Even in this story, we would think that prayer is about a request that I bring to God and God's going to do it. A petition that I bring to God and God's going to do it. So many people reduce prayer to I'm going to bend God's will and I'm going to get God to do what I want. You know, there's churches this morning that are filled with thousands of people that that's the doctrine. The doctrine is known as a word of faith doctrine that if you name it, you can claim it. If you blab it, you can grab it. If you lip it, you can grip it. And people love that. You got cancer, tell cancer, you got to go in the name of God because I have a thought. You know, and they'll teach you this and people come and they like it. But sooner or later, life is going to get you. And you're going to say cancer, and cancer is going to say, get out of my face because I'm taking you down. And then you're going to discover that the essence of what we needed for prayer, we missed out on it. So in this parable that you're familiar with, I've taught from it many times, but even this time around as I was looking at it, something hit me a little bit deeper from the same parable. Go with me to verse 3. Luke chapter 18, and notice that as Jesus is given the story, he gives you there the insight. He gives you there the example of the essence of prayer. So he says, now there was a widow in that city, and she, can you say the next three words out loud, please? Came to him. Anybody listening that's not looking, they think that there's only two people here. So we're going to try that again. <laughs> Now, there was a widow in that city, and she, can you say those three words out loud again, please? Came to him. Now, that was so much better. But I want to say this in a way that we get the point across. Maybe the angels in heaven are watching, and they're saying, man, those people in Calvary Chapel, Miami, they actually believe this. So, again, I read verse 3. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she, can you say the next three words out loud again, please? Came to him. So, let me tell you what that word came means in the original language it means to come it means to appear then all of a sudden she appeared before him she came to him but it also means to go and follow one stop a second pray that you get this it's not just a coming god i pray papa papa there nuestro que está en los cielos our father who art in heaven it's not just that it's coming What's the word there in the original language? You're following him. You're appearing before him. Let me give you more information here. That word in the original language, it means to the advantage, to the advantage of. It means that she came to him. She appeared before him. She's following him. She's leaning on him. But he, the judge, has 
the advantage. It's a word that means to be nearby, to be towards with regards. I stop a second here, and as we begin now to kind of like dig in, and hopefully this morning find out, okay, what is prayer? It's an interesting thing that Jesus already there is teaching this widow, the way she comes to the judge. It's not like, hey, judge, I name it, I claim it, I command you. She's coming, and she knows you have the advantage right now. You are the authority right now. I respect you right now, and I wonder how many of us pray. Now, up until this point, some of you that are Bible scholars, you might say, Pastor, I see it. I don't see it. I don't agree. I agree. But notice how Jesus finishes the teaching here on the need to pray. So now this time, go with me to verse 7, and notice as we read that Jesus' teaching there, he says, shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Implication there is, I look to your eyes as I say this, some type of relationship, his elect, did you see that? They come to him day and night. Did you see that? But if you didn't see that, look at the next verse, verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. And now notice how Jesus ends the teaching. He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Stop a second. Please think with me. What does faith imply? Faith with God implies a trust in God. A relationship with God. A partakership. I don't know if you're with me yet, but I'm still plowing here. I'm still going forward. God, please meet us here. What is prayer? Notice in verse 3 that it tells us she came. I told you what that is, right? Advantage, following, appear, near, towards, regards. But notice that it says him. And that word him in the original language means himself. I stop, look to your eyes as I say this. is a word that implies together prayer prayer together are you understanding in Spanish comprende years ago I got this book called The Kneeling Christian there's been more than 270,000 print of this book. It's by an unknown author. I shared it with the first service, and some people came up to me and said, Pastor, we went online, and the book is there. However, someone said it was a used book. It was $4, but $20 for shipping. I would say, don't buy it. <laughs> don't buy it. Don't buy it. Praise be to God, I understand that there's a free PDF. So if you go with computers, you can get the book and read it. For free. I pay for it. I think I paid $1.50 for it back then. But this book, The Kneeling Christian, 
it, it talks, it teaches about the essence of prayer. And so it's got a chapter, chapter 5, that speaks about what is prayer. So let me read from the book to you. A lot of times when people do this, you check out. People go right now on vacation. They're going to take a little trip. I would say, please don't do that. I'm going to try my best to, to keep you engaged. But I trust that only the Holy Spirit can do that. But it tells us here that the word prayer really means a wish that's directed towards God. That is, all true prayer, what it really seeks is God himself. For with God, with him, we get all that we need. Prayer is simply the turning of the soul to God. Here's the way that David, King David, describes it in Psalm 25, verse 1. He says, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. I learned it as a song. You know, early years in Calvary, Miami and Calvary chapels, we have very simple songs. A lot of the people were burned out by acid, you know, a lot of the hippies. So we had to keep the songs very simple. Nowadays, a lot of you, you, you haven't abused your bodies and drugs. So you can learn all these long, lengthy words. You know, I'm the tree, you're the hurricane. I mean, all these words. But in these days, there were simple songs. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemy triumph over me. You know, sometimes life... No, thank you. You don't need to do that. No, no. I... Some people say in Spanish, canta o come fruta. You know, you, you sing or you eat fruit. You como fruta, you know. I, I eat the fruit. But I want to share with you because just yesterday, I'm walking down the stairs, you know, going to the kitchen area, and, and my wife is watching a program, you know, something about the wedding dress, you know. Uh, I confess to you, I didn't see the program. I, 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 but I caught a little bit of it because one of the brides... They gave the background on her and her sister that they were in a car, they're driving, and a DUI driving under the influence comes and rams them behind. And this girl lost her vision. She says she's in the hospital room, and she's describing it. She says, I felt like there was a, a band over my eyes, and I was trying to get them off. And for years, I've tried to get that band off, but I finally came to the realization I'm blind. And so I'm walking down the steps, and, I, and I'm watching that, but it gets my attention. I, I think my wife didn't even see me, because now as I think of it, I think I was going, I, I was upstairs, I was going upstairs, and, and I caught the tail end of this, and, and I went into the room, I said, God, I don't understand life. Here, this bride, one minute she's, she's seeing, now she's blind, and David in Psalm 25 says, what I want you this morning to know what prayer is. Prayer is seeking God himself unto thee, O Lord. Right now, I lift up my soul, my mind, my emotions, my broken heart, my spirit. Lord, the best way I can, I'm lifting it up to you, Lord, so you do something with it. Because, Lord, unless you reach out your hands and you intervene, Lord, I'm done. I'm finished. Prayer. 
prayer that you're not just coming, oh, God, let me see. Oh, God, change this tragedy. You're beyond that prayer. And I wonder how many of us here this morning have prayed like that. I wonder how many of us here this morning, you're here because there's an appointment for you to get this lesson because you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what this week is going to bring. I don't, I wonder, am I the only one? Am I, am I crazy? I went to Kohl's the other day. I shouldn't say the name of the store, but I walked into the store because I'm trying to walk. I'm trying to get back in shape again. So I'm walking, and I walk into the store, and I look, and, and there's, the merchandise is thinner. So stores don't have merchandise like they used to. Have you noticed that? I, did anybody, and then I go into Walmart, and I see empty shelves, and I'm thinking, ¿Qué pasa? ¿Qué, qué está pasando? What's happening? Are we being prepared? Are you being prepared? Are you being set up? You don't know how quickly life can change. You don't know how quickly you might go to your ATM and the computers are down. And you got no signal. You got no connection. And if your computer is down, the bank computers is down. You don't know how quickly life could change. We, we come here, we're thinking, hey, after that I leave here, I'm going to go to Cheesecake Factory today. No macaroni grills, they closed that one. <laughs> you know, and, and we live our life so superficially, but I wonder who's praying. ¿Quién está orando? Unto you, oh Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in you. Let not my enemy prevail, Lord. Let not my enemy have triumph over me. Prayer, what is prayer? A turning of the soul to God. Prayer, we lift up our souls to God in prayer, and it gives God the opportunity to do what he will in us and with us. <laughs> prayer, putting ourselves at God's disposal. Wife, excuse me. Husband, excuse me. Son and daughter, excuse me. Mom and dad, excuse me. Kitty cat, doggy, excuse me. Because right now, I got to go with God. Okay, God, here I am, Lord. Whatever you want. Whatever you say. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to show me about myself, Lord, prayer right now, God, let's do it. For so many people, prayer is informing God. Lord, have you seen, Lord, when are you going to change my boss, Lord? I, Lord, I need another boss. Or the boss saying, Lord, when are you going to take that employee away? I can't fire them because of the union. Lord, would you please take them away? Amen. And then you feel good. Man, I prayed today. Watch, that employee is going to leave. That boss is going to change. And all the time the Lord is saying, you don't know why I brought you that employee and that employer? So that you would come to me. So that you would lay down your will before me. So you stop your stinking pride thinking that everything's about you, you, you. And maybe I have a plan in this. And that's prayer. Please go back to Luke 18. I hope I didn't go too far away from it. I hope as I come back to it now, you realize that prayer is about relationship. Prayer is about, what's the word that I looked? Participating in interaction with God. And so that's why at verse 3, now you see that he says, she came to him. And now at verse 8, at the closing, you see why Jesus says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find 
relationship? Will he really find faith on the earth? Will he really find that trust that is there between student and teacher, servant and master, soldier and leader, saint and God, slave and master? Philippians 1.21, Paul said, For to me to live is Christ. And when I die, <laughs> get out of the way. That's gain. Prayer. It says that Paul and Silas, remember, they're in prison. They've been beaten. Their backs have been beaten. They've been taken advantage of. The system failed them. Church failed them. Religion failed them. Everything fails them. And it's midnight. And they got bloody backs. And they're bruised. And they're hurting. And what are they doing? Singing. I wonder if they were singing that good old Baptist song. If you're from a Baptist church, you know this song. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He bought me and he sought me with his redeeming love. I told you I eat frutas, but I don't get a chance to do this. So I'm excited this morning. <laughs> but the point is, when life beats you up, what do you do? Oh, man, I can't. Oh, man, this is so, this so hard. Oh, man, you know. Oh, you know, oh. I, could, I could tell you're not praying. You're not praying. There's something that happens when you pray that you walk away from prayer knowing that your God is bigger than all the circumstances. Your God is bigger than all the temptation. Your God is bigger. And so you could sing, man, there's victory in Jesus. You could sing that. You can sense that. It's got you. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, listen, this widow, she wearied the judge. Hey, I'm trying to teach you here that God is going to bless you even so much more. But the question is, when it has to do with prayer, will people really learn the essence, the priority, the purpose, the price of prayer? It's not that you got your answers prayer or your prayers answered. The price is You met with God. You sat with God. You, you put everything aside for a moment because God was more important. So maybe you're, you, you have problems here. The enemy's chasing you. They're attacking you. I look at the television. I don't see the Olympics, you know, uh, but I see some people kneeling. I see some people standing and saluting the way that I learned, the way that I grew up. I pledge allegiance to the flag. P people don't realize what's at play. People have no idea what's going on. And they're not praying. The church is not praying. You take a survey here. I want to confess to you. I come to you teaching on this subject, not like the authority, not like, man, I pray 12 hours a day. I come to you this morning realizing, God, my prayer life needs to change. This season of my life, Lord, I need to go deeper with you. Otherwise, there's no option. And I wonder how many people here today are going to leave thinking, you could leave thinking about the service, you could leave thinking about the pastor, you could leave thinking about how you missed the pastor. And all those things are, have their place. But I wonder how many people are going to leave here and get in the car and say, Lord, man, what's up, Lord? What do I have to show for my prayer life? Now, it's an interesting thing what follows in Luke chapter 18. 
You're going to see that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, directs Luke to write this. Because now we're going to see that for prayer, the first P letter there in the word pray stands for what? Participating with God. Practicing God. I wrote a lot of P words here, okay? Progress with Papa. Papa God. The person of God. Uh, there's two words here that you actually penetrate and you pierce that, that kind of like external relationship with God to not go into the inside relationship with God. You pass through, you probe, you're, you're praying, you're sitting or you're standing or you're kneeling or you're walking, but as you're praying, listen up, listen up here, family, you are piercing through that wall that now you're getting to know God, his heart. His faithfulness, his love, his gentleness. But listen, uh, people in the first row here. <laughs> his power, his purity, <laughs> his glory. <laughs> Supreme Court can redefine a lot of things, but God says, thus it is. And we're all going to stand before God. And maybe you have some inside trading advantage because of your political position, but you're going to stand before God. And maybe you could do a lot of things and you can move a lot of things, but we're all going to stand before God. And when you pray, you get to know that before you're standing before him for judgment because you've come. Now, look at what follows, and you're going to see it. Verse 9, Luke chapter 18, we continue. And now also Jesus, he spoke to them this parable that some trusted in who? Can you say that out loud, please? In themselves. That they were righteous and they despised others. This whole racial tension thing comes from sin. You know, some people want to deal with what they call systemic racism. Listen, there's systemic sin, and unless you deal with systemic sin, you're never going to get away from racial tendencies. It happens. Hey, let's face it. For a while, I drove a Pinto. So when you drive a Pinto, <laughs> you, you are keen with other people that drive Pintos, which are not many. So you're kind of like by yourself. And then most people, you know, Toyota, you know, um, Nissan, you know. But then you have the people that drive the Bentleys. Ah, have you ever sat in a Bentley? I mean, those seats sing to you. Relax. <laughs> so when you drive a Bentley, there's a little kind of like, hey, we got the Bentley. Those people got the Pinto. It happens. So you got a place with a lot of Cubans. You know, Cubans always are in Cuba. <laughs> no mango in Cuba. You know, the, the, the mangoes in Cuba. Everything was better in Cuba. And then sometimes Cubans uh, and Dominicans and Puerto Ricans and, and Colombians. And what you, what's going on? Aren't you glad that doesn't happen in churches? I'm a Baptist. Oh, really? I'm a Pentecostal. Do you speak in tongues? And we have that, that pride. That pride that's only purged through true prayer. Because you get an insight on who God is, and you get an insight on who you are. 
But it's a funny thing. If you go back to the story, it tells us that this Pharisee trusted in himself. He thought he was right before God. He then despised others. But one is a Pharisee. The other one is a tax collector. Look at verse 10. The men, two men, they went up to the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee. The other one is a tax collector. Tax collectors were despised in those days. You know, the Jews that were representing the power of Rome uh, betraying their own people. So they were like outcasts. But when you work for IRS, I mean, you still got to respect, right? Because um, it can be challenging for you. But here it tells us that the Pharisee, look at how he prays. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood and he prayed with himself. That always catches my attention. He thinks he's praying to God, but he's talking to himself. His words are not, they're not going up before God. And look at the way this guy prays. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. And then he describes the other people. They're extortioners. They're unjust. They're adulterers. And now he points to this other guy in church with him, this tax collector. And then look at his 12, verse 12, his practices. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything I possess. I Stop a second. Look to your eye. This is the kind of guy that people would say, he's upright, he's standing. It's a funny thing that earth's view is different than heaven's view. Earth view looks at pride, at, at, at promotion. Heaven looks at character, at heart, at truth. Two guys are praying. This will show you the R in the word pray. What's the R? There's repentance. Look at verse 13, the tax collector not standing afar off. He wouldn't even raise his eyes to heaven, but he would beat his breast, his chest. He's pounding. This guy's hitting himself saying, God, I need your mercy. God, I'm a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. I stop a second. I look to your eyes. You look to my eyes. What happens in your prayer life? How often does this happen in my prayer life? Do you come to God like, hey, God, I'm pretty good here. You know, I've never killed anybody. I took the dog out for a walk, so my kids went out. I'm pretty good. Or do you come to the Lord like, Lord, God, I need you. I wonder how many people here look around them and say, man, there's people around us that they need influence. We live in days that so many people are confused. The immorality is being degraded to such a degree. People kidnapping, taking little kids for pleasure. How many kids go missing? Sex, slavery. And to think way in the back there, in the front here, our prayers can make a difference. Are we praying? And I wanted you to see here that this tax collector, in his prayer, he's repenting. He's reaching, and look at this, he's receiving. Pastor, where do you get that from? Look at how this finishes. Verse 14, the words of God 
Jesus Christ says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone that exalts himself is going to be humble, and everyone that humbles himself will be exalted. I clicked on that word justified. I put a circle around it, and let me tell you what that word means. It means to render righteous. It means to declare or such as he or she ought to be. I stop a second. I wonder. I look here to my left. You see what happens here in prayer? That when you get up from prayer, whether you're kneeling, whether you're sitting, when you walk away from prayer, you got that sense, I'm, I'm like I ought to be right now. I've relied on God. I trusted God. I allowed God to be God. I got my marching orders from God. I got clarity from God. I got direction from God. Prayer. And how many people, they pray. And they stand up from prayer, I think sometimes worse than how they started. What is prayer? I go back here to the book and I give you an illustration. It tells us here that prayer... It tells us that a, a Jewish mystic said, prayer is that moment that heaven and earth, they kiss each other. Uh, my wife may not like me to say this, but here we go. It's real. This is the way I've been married 42 years, and when I kiss my wife, I, I still like it. It's still special. That's pretty good after 42 years. I know you didn't need to hear that, but that's for the people that are... <laughs> <laughs> that maybe you're in a bad place in your marriage. Hang in there. Stick out to the 42. It gets better if you pray. <laughs> Single people here, you should, you should I'm, I'm old school, reserved for your wife. I've, I've done weddings, many weddings, and it's always something special about the weddings where they take a choice not to kiss each other until after the wedding, even to that degree. Say, Pastor, what is this Puritans? What are you doing? Listen, don't knock people. You, you don't knock the people that kiss and are all over them. You know, there were people like octopus, 15 hands. You know, so, so don't get on these people. Just the way the Lord led them. But I will tell you this. Every wedding like that that I do, the presence of the Lord is there. It's like, hey, emotionally, sexually, anybody can. But when you spiritually make a connection and you say, you know what? I'm going to live in holiness to please God. God shows up. God says, you consider my word? Watch me now. Watch me bless you. Watch me give you understanding. Watch me give you the divine glue that no matter what comes against you, you'll prevail. We all love it. You all love that Rocky and Adrian story. <laughs> Yeah, Rocky, all the love, you know. Why she's sick, you know. He can't fight. Why she's okay now. You all love that. But nobody goes after it. Nobody's willing to pray. When heaven and earth kiss each other, when heaven says, I'm with you, when earth says, I'll accept you. It tells us here, that prayer is not bending the will of a reluctant God to do our will. It's not changing the purpose, although he may release his power. No, we must conceive that prayer is overcoming God's reluctance 
That's not what prayer is. Prayer is laying a hold of his highest willingness. That, that in prayer, you, you embrace. It embraces you. Lord, this is what you want to do. Lord, I'm in. I'm in. Prayer, if you're taking notes, it's communion with God. It's intercourse with God. Remember, this is an old book. We, we've, we've messed up words so much to such a degree. I wish I could go in that rabbit trail. I won't. But intercourse, I love this. Intercourse is like I have my course, and then with prayer, God's course intersects my course, and now I continue in God's course. Intercourse with God. Prayer. Prayer. I, I love it, Lord. I, I need this, Lord. I need that. And then in prayer, Lord, really what I need is just you and to be content wherever I am. So, God, let's go. Forget about what I asked you. God, let's just go. God, I want you. I want more of you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I see what I really need. Prayer, communion with God. Prayer is intercourse, talking not only to God, talking with God. Have you ever had that person in your life that they just talk? And then when you're about to say something, they say, oh, it's been great talking to you. I got to go. <laughs> Ever had a person like that? I think we do that to God sometimes. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, change my son. Change my daughter. Change my dad. Change my church. God, change my country. God. And then when God's about to talk, we say, amen. Thank you. See you later, God. Oh, man, I prayed today. I prayed for four hours. No, you talked for four hours. <laughs> you didn't listen for one second. But hopefully this morning, as you leave here, you know what prayer is, right? You listen to God. You go away from that prayer time, and nothing that you came asking for may come about, but you leave stronger than you've ever been because God's course for your life was affirmed. <laughs> just, a, just a few more before I send you home. First row, not this time. This time I'll go to you. How do you get to know people? Help me out, Evita. How do you get to know people? Talk to them. This row here, so she won't feel bad. How do you get to know people? Talk to them. Right? How do you get to know God? Prayer. You talk with God. You just don't tell God what you need. You come before God and you realize, God, you're faithful, you're strong. God, you're merciful. God, you're sovereign. God, you're omnipotent. God, you're omniscient. God, you know. And as you're praying, you walk away like, <laughs> God's on the case. I don't need to worry. I don't need to fear. Why so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God. Why so anxious? Why, why this anxiety among Christians? Did you know that there was a time in our nation that if you said you were a Christian, your insurance expenses would be lower because they knew that Christians lived a healthier life? That was a long time ago. <laughs> you know what's changed? We got better talkers. We got microphones. We got lights. We got bells. We got whistles. We need people to pray. That's what's lacking. I think it was Spurgeon that someone went to his church, and a huge church, and he says, hey, you want to see our boiler room? 
And somebody said, yeah, he thought it was the boiler, you know, yeah, he, and he walks down into this basement there that there's 800 people that prayed around the clock, 24-7, without stopping. People from church that were committed to pray. Hey, did I tell you that we have a special pastor in this church? Did I tell you that already? You know, this young pastor, since 2020, through all COVID, and, and, and I couldn't say this as a pastor, because if I said what I'm about to say, you would say, oh, you're saying that because you're the senior pastor, but I'm not the senior pastor anymore, so there's a freedom here that I'm enjoying. <laughs> there's a freedom here. Since COVID hit, he's been coming here. His wife has been coming here. They've been leading songs. They've been praying at 6 o'clock in the evening. And could you imagine Could you imagine this young pastor? I mean, he's got faith. He's got energy. He's got inspiration. But how long does that last? And that you and I, through, could you imagine if next Sunday when he's back, we're all here, prayer service, 6 o'clock. We're here. You got an army. We're praying with you. Could you imagine what happens in a church? Could you imagine what happens when people walk into the, drive into the parking lot, they walk through the door, they're thinking about suicide, they're thinking about ending their life, or even worse, they're thinking about killing someone, but they come in here, and you've been praying. We've been praying. Now, remember, that's not to twist God's arm. That's just to enjoy God's presence. And because you're praying, and God's presence is in you, when you come here, God's presence is here, and that person comes in, and without one word, they realize it. I'm wrong. I've been living a lie. I've been in deception without one word. Prayer. So I started reading to you that prayer is knowing God. Knowing God. Someone said that so, so Jesus on the way to Damascus. But then later on in Acts 22, verse 18, Paul says that I saw Jesus, and then it was that Christ gave him the great commission. Go to the Gentiles. God gave Paul the vision. And now the vision came before the vocation and the venture. Are you with me on this? When you pray, when you see God like Isaiah, remember Isaiah sees God, <clears throat> you know, he sees the presence of God, and then God says, man, who am I going to send? And Isaiah says, I see it now. You could send me. I'm going. I'm ready to go. And now sometimes people have occupation. You know, it's funny. After the service, I'm talking to Kathy, and she gives me some information that was just great. Occupation is something that you kind of grab. I'm, I'm going to be a nurse. You know, and there's a lot of nurses that should do something and stop being a nurse because you're making the patient more sick. I mean, just the way you give somebody the medication, right? Come on, get up. Here's your medication. And then you got a nurse. Hey, come on. Are you ready? I got something for you here. Got your meds. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, take, I'll take them. Open your mouth now. I want to make sure you took them. You got attorneys. You got doctors. You got people that they don't have vocation. Vocation is when you have a calling. Calling. Vocation. Calling. And when you're in presence of the Lord, sometimes you get it. You sense it. Man, I'm called to be law enforcement. I'm called to be a firefighter. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be a missionary. How Paul got, no wonder so many people are just doing things for money and there's little vocation. Ever been to a restaurant where the waitress or the waiter has vocation? I love going to a restaurant before you sit down. They got the menus. 
they got the water. They got the smile. They got that sense that says, by the time you leave here, you're going to be well-fed, you're going to be taken care of, you're going to be all right, you're going to come back, and you're going to leave me a good tip. But if they get the tip or not, it doesn't matter because they got vocation. Have you ever been to a restaurant like that? You know what the contrast is? You go to a restaurant and, oh, let me, and they bring you the money, oh, the water, and, and all of a sudden you say, never mind, I'm full already. You want to go. Vocation. You get that through prayer. Knowing God's will for your life more than your will for your pocket. Or your pride. Or your persistence. Prayer is nothing else than the sense of God's presence. He writes about a man by the name of Horace Bushnell. He says, when Horace Bushnell would pray, he would bury his face to his hands. He would pray, and I, praying with him, I would be afraid to stretch out my hands because in the darkness, I thought God was so present that if I stretched out my hand, I would have touched God. Prayer. I want to finish early. It's 1226. Let's see if we could do this. Let me send you home with this one. Speaking about prayer. You're going to love this one. The author, unknown author, writes, Is it not time that we got a new vision of who God really is? The God of the scriptures, the God of the Bible, in all his glory. Who can say what will happen when the church sees God afresh and anew? But let us not wait for others let us, each one for himself, with unveiled faces, with unsullied hearts, let's press in and get that vision of the glory of the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. No missioner who has been my joy or ever impressed me quite like Dr. Wilbur Chapman. He's going to tell you about Dr. Wilbur Chapman, and I have the joy of telling you about this missionary. He wrote to a friend, <clears throat> I've learned the great lessons of concerning prayer at one of our missions in England. The audience, they were small. I received a note saying that an American missionary by the name of Prane Hyde was going to come and visit, and he was going to pray for us. And almost instantly, the tide turned. The hall became packed. My first invitation of 50 men came and accepted Jesus Christ. And as we were leaving, when Mr. John Hyde was there with me, I told him and I said, Mr. Hyde, I want you to pray for me. So he came later to my room. He turned the key in the door. He dropped to his knees and he waited five minutes without saying a single syllable. It never came to his lips. However, I could hear my heart thumping. I could almost hear his heart beating. 
And I could feel the hot tears that were running down my face. I knew I was in the presence of God. Then, with an upturned face, down with which tears were streaming, I finally heard him say the first two words in the prayer, and there were these words, Oh, God. And then for five more minutes, at least, he was still again. And then I knew that he was talking with God. There came up from the depths of my heart such petitions for men as I had never heard before. I rose from my knees to know what real prayer was. We believe that prayer is mighty. We believe it as we never believed it before. Hey, the worship team is going to come up. The pastors are going to be up here to pray. I'm going to dismiss I'm going to pray now, and I'm going to dismiss you. You're free to go home. If you have kids next door, please go get them early. It's 1230, so we're finishing right on time. I want to extend an invitation. There might be someone here that maybe this morning God spoke to you. And you want to pray. You want to be a person that prays. You could stand up out of your seat. You could come and pray with the pastors. Ask God to draw you to time with God in prayer. Ask him. Watch what happens. Tomorrow, you might wake up and look at the clock, and it might be 3 in the morning. It could be 4 in the morning. Don't do what I've done in my life. Oh, God, man, it works. Thank you. But I'm going to sleep five more. Don't do that because then next time you look at the clock, it's time to go. But the Bible says, and we've been looking at the scripture here, that when we seek, seek, when we look for God diligently, God is a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those that seek him diligently. I don't know what my grandkids are going to remember me by. Oh, that no-no, that grandpa, he was a little crazy, whatever. But as I prepare for this teaching, I'm thinking, Lord, I read this book and Hyde, John Hyde, influence people to prayer. Lord, maybe my prayer life with you can be such that I can influence my grandkids, my granddaughter. How much time you have left? How much influence will your life still provide? You realize that when you pray and you're in God's glory, you reflect that glory. You realize that you could go to a bank teller, you know, if you still do that, everything is changing, everything is online now, pretty soon everything's going to be online, but... That you could still have interaction with people and they could look at your face and they could say, what is it about you? And it's your prayer. You bend your knees. You call on the Lord. You spend time with the living God. You're hungry for God. I see these concerts, you know, I think they had one not too long ago. The whole stage fell apart at the stadium, you know. And I see the music and I see the bell. And people, sometimes they light the things and they're swinging their arms. And when they leave, they're as selfish, as self-consumed, as proudful as when they came in.
But then you see people in prayer, and when they leave, they're, they're humble. They're actually usable by God. And it's an amazing thing. There's a fellow worker. There's someone in your apartment building. There's someone in your job. There's someone in your family that's thinking about blowing their brains out. And you came, and the way you said, hey, how are you doing? Hey, can I pray for you? And they accept it. Why? Because you're real. You're genuine. You're authentic. You're a vessel in God's hands in a lost and dying world. I was in on the Titanic. I read about it. I know the story. But sometimes it feels like I'm living in the Titanic. <laughs> this thing is going down so fast, you know. And I'm looking at people around me. I'm looking at them. And, I, and I'm seeing what they're talking about, what they're concerned about. And I'm thinking, I lived to this once already. I was in Cuba and things just changed. And now they're saying, patria o vida. I heard and I remember where Cuba said to Fidel Castro, this is your house, Fidel. And he took it. People in churches said, this is your place. And Fidel took it. And I think people around me on this Titanic, they don't realize what they're saying. They don't realize what they're doing. And so the weight of my heart this morning was, can my prayers make the difference? Can your prayers make the difference? And I would say to you, absolutely, 100%, yes. The question is, am I going to pray? Are you going to pray? Well, we're going to close in prayer, so I'm going to pray right now. God, we need you. Unless your spirit works in my heart, my prayer life is not going to change. So this morning, Lord, before you, before my brothers and sisters, those watching by computer, God, I pray May my prayer life go to a different level, Lord. Lord, what sorry shame it would be to get to heaven and realize that so many things you were just willing to do. If I would just spend time with you, if I would just rest, be still, if my heart would desire you, if I would just do that, you would be God. You would do the impossible. God, I pray that you would have some brothers and sisters here this morning that want to dive in, get in the game. I pray that maybe our prayer services at 6 o'clock, Lord, they would grow. People that come here and say, you know what, we're going to learn what this prayer thing is all about. We pray for our pastor, Lord, his wife. We, we pray that they would be encouraged, that, that we would step up to the plate and, and do our part. I know they're encouraged. I know they love the family. But God, I know that there's more that we could do. So we pray for that today. Lord, as we leave this property, may you go with us. May we not allow the birds of the air to come and snatch the seats away. May it not be hard ground or thorny ground. Lord, make our hearts good ground that there could be fruit 170, 30%. Lord, please. Please, that we might even begin to see things change. And we say, what's going on? Man, I think people are praying. 
not bending God's arm, not trying to impose something on God, but people are just being still and saying, okay, God, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know God. I want to know your glory. I want to know your presence. Lord, I want to know your grace. I want to know your purity, Lord. Lord, convict me of sin. Bring me to that point that I want to get right and holy with you because, God, you're showing me that. And, Lord, give us that humility that comes so we don't look down on people. We don't think we're better than people like that tax collector. We're just saying, God, have mercy upon me. I'm a sinner. So, Lord, bless your people, Calvary Chapel, Miami. May your people begin to pray, Lord. It's time. It's the only way this Titanic is going down, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name. Those that agreed said, Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. You're dismissed.